जुनाची पांच तारीख आनी पाउट आमचे सुस्तेकाक दोनपार आयकोप्यांक मोजो माय मोगाचो योकार हाव तुमचो इश्ट फ्रँकी फर्नांडीस मेलबर्न ऑस्ट्रेलिया सावन तुमका ह्यो गोयच्यो बातम्यो पावयता गोयांत कोविड हे पेंडेमिकाचो दुसरो वेव चालू आसा आनी आता तिसरो वेव येवपाचो आसा अशे जाणकार म्हणजे एक्सपर्ट हाणे सरकारक चितावणी दिल्यात पण गोयचो मुखेलमंत्री प्रमोद सावंत हाणे सांगला ते प्रमाणे गोयच्या सरकाराच्या सगळी तयारी जाग्यार घातलेली आसात जाणकार म्हणजे एक्सपर्ट हाच्या प्रमाणे नायन्टी पर्सेंट चान्सेस आसात हे तिसरी वेव चोडचे अठरा वर्सां सकल आनी गावांत रावतेल्यांक चोड लागपाची शक्यताय आसा ह्या सुमनात कोविड हाच्यो केसीस मात उणे जाल्यात तेच भाषेन गोयांत मरण गेल्ल्याचो आकडो बी उणे जाला पूण ब्लॅक फंगस हाच्यो गोयांत बारा केसीस सांपडवल्यात तातूंतले चार जाण गोवा मेडिकल कॉलेज बांबोली हातून ट्रीटमेंट घेतानात संवसारांतले अंतरलेत कोविड हाच्यो बातम्यो रावताना सुमार अडीच हजार मायज गोयांत कोविड हे पिडींग सांपडून आमचे हिंदू मुसलमान क्रिस्तांव आनी दुसरे धर्माचे आमचे बाबुणयो मरण गेल्यात काही फामिलीचे दोग वो तीग जाण सोंपल्यात आणि हे आकांताच्या वेळार जेन्ना मेल्ल्या मनशाची फामील बी हे पिडींग सांपडून तांच्या घरच्यांक मातीक लावपाक वो अंतिम संस्कार करपाक बी पावना तेन्ना कुचोरे गावचो आमचो मुसलमान भाव अली शेख आणि ताचे संगाती हे मेलोल्यांक मनशापणान मांडावोळीन आणि रेस्पेतान मातीक लावपाचो कायदो वो हिंदुवांचो अंतिम संस्कार करतात आणि हे सगळे काय पैसे घेऊन असताना बाब अली शेख आमकां हाची आणि माहिती दिता तुझी समज फुल प्रिकॉशन घेऊन काम करीत जाल्यार कामाक भयना तुझी प्रिकॉशन ते घेवपाक जाय किदें हा मनीस जगान असताना त्याला तीच रेस्पेद असता जिता असताना मरता सुद्धा त्याला ती रेस्पेद मेळपा जाय हो आमचा मुद्दो त्याला लागून आम्ही काम स्टार्ट केलं आमी स्टार्टिंग मातशी डिफिकल्ट जाले एज अ मुस्लिम आय नो द इस्लामिक रिच्युअल हाव टू डू बट मातशी आमकां कॅथलिक भावांक आनी हिंदू भावांक लागून मातशी डिफिकल्टी जाली स्टार्टिंग मागीर हांव फादराक मेळून फादरान सांगले व्हडले डिफिकल्ट ना यू कॅन डू इट सो आय डीड इट तशेच आमचे हिंदू भाव हा पंडिताक मेळून पंडिता कडे उलयलो सो तो म्हणतो मागता की पेंडेमिक बेगीचे बीन काबार जावचे आणि आमचे संवसार आख्या संवसारात जे लोक बिनले आहा आणि जे लोक गेल्यात या संवसारातले त्यांचे देवाकडे मागता त्यांना शांती भोगची मागता आमच्या दुनिया देवान हे आमच्या मुसलमान भावाच्या वावरांचेर बेसांव घालू म्हण आणि तांका सांभाळ करू म्हण देव बरे करू बाब अली शेख आणि आता गोयांत काजार व लग्न जाऊंक सोदता सांभाळात गोयचो सरकार काजाराचे पयली आता कौन्सलिंग करपाक एक सरकारी सुविधा सुरू करपाक फुडे सरलात क्रिस्तांव धर्मा प्रमाणे चेडू वो चेडो काजाराचे पयली मॅरेज कौन्सलिंग कोर्स करतात आणि आता तांकां ही गोयच्या सरकारा विशी मॅरेज कौन्सलिंग करचे पडटले मंत्री निलेश काब्राल हाणे पत्रकारा लागी उलयताना हे सांगले वॉट वी हॅव रियलाइज कितल्यो मॅरेजी जाता तितलोच डिवोर्स जाऊपा लागला म्हणजे पीपल आर अनेबल टू अंडरस्टँड आणि तेका लागून हो स्टेप आम्ही घेतला टू एक्सप्लेन द कॉन्सेप्ट ऑफ मॅरेज कशे किती आसा वॉट आर द रिस्पॉन्सिबिलिटीज म्हणजे इट्स अ बेसिकली इट इज द बिफोर गोईंग फॉर द सेकंड सिग्नेचर तेंका आम्ही कंपल्सरी प्री कौन्सलिंग विच दे विल गिव अ सर्टिफिकेट विच विल बी पार्ट ऑफ द सेकंड सिग्नेचर डॉक्युमेंट विच विल बी पार्ट ऑफ इट सो हे प्री कौन्सलिंग कॉन्सेप्ट आम्ही हाडूंक सोदता फॉर मॅरेजीज विद इन द स्टेट ऑफ गोवा पण हाचो हेतू कितें गाय आमकां गोयचो नामनेचो एडवोकेट राजाराव ग्रेशस सांगता हे बीजेपी सरकार जायसोन एव्हरी लोकांक जोण एकले पर्सनल मॅटर आहा तितू ते मेतेर जाताय काजार जावपाक मरपाक जीवपाक सगळ्या कामाक आता हुई जाल्या तेणे कायदे लायले कन्वर्ट जावपाक कायदे लायले आणि हो कायदो बिस्तो बायल्यान ते दाखयताय की लोकां बऱ्या म्हणून एक्च्युली 
बीजेपी गेल्या प्रोग्राम पहिलोच सण असा की हिंदुत्वात उलोपाचो आणि ही सिस्टम अशी केल्या की आता कोण काजार जाता पहिले म्हणा पर्मिशन घेऊ पडले काउन्सिलिंगात तेन्ना ते कळे जो एक मुस्लिम भुरगा आहा तो हिंदू चेडा काजार जाता आणि आमचं आता बीजेपी सगळे ओपोज करता ते रोखड्या आरकुळ्या येतले ते आर एस एस मनीस येतले वेजपी मनीस येतले आणि भुरग्यांक त्रास करतले काजार जात ओर अपर कास्ट गर्ल इज मॅरिंग अ लोअर कास्ट बॉय रोखडेच थिंग रेकॉर्ड उरलो ते धावतले तेंगे घरा कडे तेंक धुमकी दितले त्रास करतले आणि काजार बंद करतले कायद्याचा पर्पज व की इंटर कम्युनिटी मॅरेजीस जाऊ जायना इंटर कास्ट मॅरेजीस जाऊ जायना देव बरे करू एडवोकेट राधाराव ग्रेशियस तुझो वेळ दिला म्हण तर आयकोप्यानो हे जाऊन असले सुसेगाद दोनपार गोयच्यो खबरो मेळुया दुसऱ्याचो मनात ते मेरेन मोगा सुंदी नमस्कार आणि स्वागत करता हा रिची तुमका आयच्या सुशेगा दनपार कोंकणी रेडिओ प्रोग्रामार म्हणजे सांगता असा मुजो ईस्ट हेक्टर डिसूजा आणि या प्रोग्रामाचा स्पॉन्सर शिल्पी ठाकूर आणि आमचो गेस्ट आयच्या दनपार प्रोग्रामार टीम चॅपमॅन वेलकम टू यू ऑल गायस um drag <laughs> uh but i'm 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 pleased that he made it and welcome tim thank you welcome thank you, to Shippen. the show thank you for um, inviting me and and thank you richard and hector for having me again this is my third time yes. in the show yes and always when i come in here it's um, it's it's wonderful oh yeah. thank you yeah. thank you yeah. you you guys are wonderful and yes it's been a bit of a disappointing week um i had a car accident but thank god i'm okay um a bit of a, a tooth problem but i'm okay <laughs> 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 and i'm feeling much much better now after coming um here yeah. and looking forward to the next one hour with all you wonderful guys yeah so this this is therapy you know susika dan yes <laughs> definitely definitely so tim uh, you know a, i i'm a dentist i'm oh, sorry i can't help thank <laughs> 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 <Thank> god <laughs> <laughs> but i know what you do is excellent so yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, so, so tim uh, I, i've been just given a brief uh, just a few words about you yes, that sir. you are a coach Uh, and i keep hearing this uh, in the profession in the workplace uh, about coaches uh, it will be best to get uh, a self introduction about yourself i see that you've got two names tim chapman and tim something else tim something else <laughs> sorry so, i'm not aware of the something else yeah yeah, yeah. so that's why i want to know whether this there's another T- name tim chapman is a uh, tim chapman but he's called a leadership coach oh, okay it's leadership yes okay yeah leader coach new leader coach new leader is, coach um, is a uh, an initiative i i created i founded not too long ago actually um but which stems out of um quite a bit of experience of i've i've had coaching and i'll explain what i mean by coaching but coaching especially um middle management leaders not always young but probably the majority of them are 
20 to 30-somethings um, who are confronting the challenge of becoming a leader, um, trying to get people to do things which very often they know how to do much better themselves and to resist the temptation of doing it for them, which yeah. is uh, uh, sometimes a very tricky thing to let go. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so something about uh, where do you come from? Are you originally a Kiwi, or well, you no, come from UK, no, or some other part of? No, <clears throat> if you listen carefully to my accent, I'm, I'm, <laughs> 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 I'm not a Kiwi. Let us start the guess game. What do you think, Richard? After, uh, after uh, listening uh, Chap- to Chapman, mostly from UK. Yes, yes, it's, it's a UK name. That's it's, because I told you that. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, um, it's a very common name, actually. We, we come sort of second after the Smiths and the Browns, more okay. or less. Right. Um, it means it comes from Old Saxon, um, and the pronunciation was something like cheap man, and we were wandering salesmen. So oh, okay. we would knock on your door, sell you something, and run because we knew it wouldn't last very long. <laughs> and, and one student job I had, I actually did that for a while in France, and, and genetically it suited me. I, I, I was quite successful at it. What were you, what were you selling, Tim? I was selling, um, I was selling calendars and other fairly cheap goods in aid of a blind dog training scheme. Wow. Um, which sounds wonderful, but after having done it for about six months, I decided to go and look to see where this blind dog training scheme was, and there weren't many dogs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> This is like the daffodil story. I don't know the daffodil story. <laughs> the Dutch never had daffodil farms there. They grew it somewhere else. Mm. And, then, and then then there were no daffodils. Yeah, speculate yeah. on it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, it, yes, it was a scam. Very, very interesting. Yeah, mm. yeah. But I hope the tenure that you served in that sort of sales job, you enjoyed it? or I did enjoy yeah. it, yes. Yeah. It was a kind of, um, I guess it was, it was the precursor of what I do now. I, I primarily tried to please people yeah. when they opened the door and saw my face. Yes. Know, so don't, don't shut it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you accepted... Because I know, coming from a real estate background myself, mm. um, handling rejections, right? You know, oh, yes. when you, you were really good at handling rejections. Why don't you tell what, you know, how, there was any s- sort of story that you might remember, which you have a memory of, and, you know, like a you situation. Mean the first girl I asked yeah. to out with. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about sales, not the first terrible <laughs> dates. <or laughs> Yes, no, I've done... Uh, we, I've, we don't mind that. Yeah. I don't no, mind. you don't mind that. No, I've, I've done some cold calling in my time. I think we discussed that. Sure. Um, and um, I think the trick is not to take it personally. I mean, yes. you, you know, you, 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 you talk to somebody completely out of the blue on the phone and they could be doing anything. They could have gone, had some awful argument before. It's all about empathising where, where, yes. where they stand. And yes. it's very hard to empathise without actually talking to somebody. So when, yes. by definition, when they're cold, um, you, you can't really um, understand where they're coming from and say the things that they will listen to. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty difficult enterprise. Yes. You know, this cold calling business, it takes me back about uh, 20 years uh, or less than mm. 20 years uh, in New Zealand. Uh, most of us who came to this country and who were looking out for jobs some of us took the sales job. Yeah. Uh, I, I and my colleague took up the selling of insurance. Mm-hmm. And they sent us down 
to South Auckland. We didn't know exactly how South Auckland was. Some of them were selling Sky Television, oh, and yes. it was all cold calling. Uh, I do remember at one particular place uh, where a dog chased us because we were not really told, you know, be careful about dogs yes. in some of these properties. Yes. Uh, and and the colleague that I used to accompany, or we used to go together, he was this turban sadar, mm-hmm. Sikh. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine what the situation. The question that I want to ask you, narrating that story, is you know, uh, most of these cold calling jobs, you know, most immigrants pick up. I believe you have a similar immigrant story about yourself on the cold calling side of it. <coughs> What's I'm, I'm, that story? I'm certainly an immigrant. Um, I've been an immigrant twice in my life. In fact, I left. Um, I left a country twice, <clears throat> so I was brought up and educated in the UK. Um, and about the time of um, Prime Minister, who I think is universally recognised, Margaret Thatcher was mm-hmm. in power, and um, I had a very strong reaction against what was going on in the UK and sought to leave. So I left to France. It wasn't a, a big move in those days, but it, nevertheless, it was a new culture and so on. Um, <clears throat> that's where I did some of the door-to-door selling because I had, like you, you know, you had to take the first job you, that's possibly offered. But very quickly, I was lucky enough to walk into um, a large training program for training. Um, uh, it was an IBM factory, actually, where people as part of their career um, um, path, had to learn English and had to have a level in English. I was already a trained English teacher by then, so I, I walked into that job, and it was uh, it was that appealed to me. There is a teacher in me, I guess. <laughs> Which <laughs> my parents were both school teachers, and I swore I would never teach. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> sure enough, I did. <laughs> um, but then I. Moved again um, 27 years later and um, emigrated to New Zealand. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. Did it all over again, this time with a, with a wife and three children. Uh-huh. Um, and we took it upon ourselves to decide that um, this would be the best for our kids. And it turns out um, 13 years later that it was the best thing for our kids. Uh-huh. So we're reassured about that, you know. So did you start off for door knocking here also in New Zealand, or no, um, did you sort of? No, I, I, I shamefully treated New Zealand as a dormitory for something like ten years because I kept returning to Europe to do the work I was doing there. Oh, okay. So I have I, I calculated it um, some time ago. I've literally done the equivalent of three return trips to the moon and back, uh-huh. flying uh-huh. from Auckland to. Paris, London, European destinations to um, work on these seminars. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so was it was it that there was no market here for the trade that you were trying or the profession that you were trying to promote? Certainly the markets were different. Um, but you know how it is. If, if you have a customer that basically promises you enough work for the year in about November of the preceding year, you just... Sigh, a sigh of relief and think, well, that's another year, I'm fine. I, I don't have to try here. And it's in fact COVID that made me try because suddenly I couldn't fly anymore. Oh, okay. And okay. then I started to really engage with New Zealand and um, understand that the country that had welcomed me with open arms 
deserved some kind of response from me. Other than just so you on. so you travelled up and down for the last twenty years, would I say? Uh, not twenty. No, it was um, eleven. <coughs> eleven years, um, probably an average of eight or nine return trips Auckland, uh, mm-hmm. Europe every year. Madness, absolutely. Wow, madness. that's huge. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of travel. <laughs> it's a lot of travel, yes. Um, there's a certain airline that absolutely loves me. Yeah. <laughs> Every air hostess in and they, this airplane that's right, knows They email me. me daily saying, why aren't you flying anymore? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what was the learning uh, from these? Uh, uh, how, how, how did you... What made you feel that you could live in this country but work somewhere else? And uh, what sort of uh, transferable skills that you thought that you could mm. once again bring back to this country? Because you had never worked in this country, if I may no, say so. No, no. no I've never visited it before either. Um, I should explain my wife is Irish um, and we lived in France. Our three kids were born in France. Um, we spoke English to them at home, but they soon, of course, went to the French school system. <clears throat> and you probably recognise the same feeling when you have an education system actually giving your children a foreign culture. That's where cultural differences really hit you in mm. the gut. Um, we spent hours and hours, my wife and I, talking to French teachers. Why are you doing this with our children? Why do you expect this from our children? Please let us understand. Um, And we always said that sooner or later we would move to an English-speaking country and we would finish their education in English and that way they would be bilingual and much richer for it and so on. And as usual, we left it to the last possible moment when my eldest was about 17 um, and she still didn't have a lasting boyfriend, and we thought we need to go now, because <laughs> otherwise we'll split the family. And um, so we left at the last possible moment to New Zealand after a lot of um, a lot of thinking and elimination. New Zealand was by elimination in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, Canada was too cold, Australia was complicated. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> Australia was complicated um, yes. for small business, especially. Mm-hmm. And New Zealand, apart from the visa, was dead easy. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. said your wife was Irish, or is yes. Irish? Yes. Uh, uh, I, met her in, I met her in France. It's <laughs> the only way an Englishman and an Irishman, <laughs> Irishman can meet up. <laughs> uh, I just yes. wanted to touch on that because um, uh, Kiwis were not so welcoming uh, to Irish people in this country a in long time ago. And how did mm, she settle down? She she has integrated. I mean, she she was far more integrated than I was because, as I said, I was treating this place as a dormitory, yeah. um, and. We would have arguments when we were out driving. She was saying, well, you know, don't you know where we're going? And I would say, sorry, no, I don't. <laughs> don't tell me, you know, is it left here or right? You know, I'm, I'm not familiar with the roads yet. Um, okay. But she, no, she's, um, she, she fitted in. Uh, yeah. She adapted faster than I did, I think. I think there's, there's, a, uh, there's a large uh, Irish community. Mm. Yeah. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I mean the the Irish diaspora is enormous. Mm-hmm. So before we jump into the main part of our discussion, mm. having had a good amount of background about uh, that, you live more most of your life in Europe than in New Zealand. Yeah. We just want to understand as to what's the nature of work that you did and how you have transferred those skills here into New Zealand. 
Well, um, <clears throat> I start as I as I mentioned. I I used to be a teacher, a language teacher, which which appealed to me and felt comfortable. Um, when you're a language teacher, so you need to think of Europe with multiple languages. Um, any company which is in France, for example, will want its employees to speak English. And so there's a natural market for English teaching. Alongside that, there's a natural market for translation. Um, so I rapidly got into translating for companies, um, translating their documents, not their websites at that stage, because websites hadn't been invented, but um, documents and so on. Um, and then <clears throat> a little later after that, um, I became an interpreter. Um, it was something which scared me intensely. Because, you know the situation where somebody stands up, they speak one language, and the other person is whispering into a microphone at the same time into another language. And that's quite a an intellectual gymnastic, we'll say. Um, mm. And I put it off as long as I possibly could, and then again, by accident, I had to do it and realised it wasn't that difficult. So mm. um, I... I migrated through um, interpreting. That's how I met the um, major customer that I have at the moment who, um, who led me to coaching. And um, I was interpreting, translating basically seminars in a training context. Um, the training context involved coaching the um, participants, so naturally I slid from interpreting into coaching. Interpreting in, especially between English and French in New Zealand, is not a big thing, not as big as it is in France. And so coaching seemed like a, a, a more viable offering to make here in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. On that note, let's take a break and listen to this song which says Lift Karade. You must have heard this song. Yeah, yeah? yes, yeah? yes. Very famous Indian old song. song but yeah. this is translated in Konkani. Konkani yes. Let's hear it then. Sexuro asan ribawa, mojo awaz ay kribewa, makamak so wir tu kadre, tur ture moje kurre. दुसरे मुझको भी लिफ्ट करा दे दूसरे आग तू दीता साबा चार दीता ये कुछ मागला जीवाकिया मातुई नातार चुरचुरे मोजे कोरा मोजे रुई नो दोर मारा उगड़ तू सूखा चे 
Nar, Eu Satoya, Sai Batu Soglendi Maka, Unburgi Mantinaka, Yakarekten, Jeruzata, Kuiworon Galutaka, Tanchepauti Bangarudoi, Duduacha Sondirangudoi, Minister Korremaka, Machetun Litimaka. Nustenaka chicken udoi, chaunaka sorian udoi, oishanto paus udoi, aukoso magta udoi, besto makani doknaka, beluta chi bedi maka, saiba tu maka udoi, tuje liftik lift mirdoi, magta hau bogti tuzo, animojan mago tunezo, kithe poita. Kenandita, Ugras to Korimoto, Saiba out to Kazarauta, Ujapati and Bekal Pontam, Pikal was a lapezo, Naturma Kazakal Tamoso, Well, Muchkobi lift Karade, that was then Adnan Swami, Adnan Shamsami. It was an Adnan Sami song which got translated into Konkani. Uh, the guy is just asking, God, can you please give me a lift? In the sense, lift me up from my troubles. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Tim, that's the reason why we have called you here, to lift us all up from... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, don't pretend to be godlike. <coughs> uh, mm. So, we understand that uh, you coach uh, young professionals who are in the middle management mm-hmm. And you guide them uh, in, in a direction that will they will progress in their profession and in their careers. So, what's the uh, space that you operate in? Are you something like a life coach where you look at the emotional side of the person, mm. or are you in some sort of a professional uh, coach niche, uh, yeah. which you look at? Hey, this is what you need to achieve. Cut and dry. Mm. Keep the emotions to the side. Cut the chase. No, the, the, the emotions are key. Okay. Um, there's quite considerable research now shows that in leadership, um, <clears throat> leaders can be very bright and it helps if they are. Um, but if they are emotionally aware, they will be much better leaders because they're leading people and people are... Um, primarily emotional beings. Mm. It's Um, just like emotional intelligence. Yes, exactly, yes. EQ, yeah. Mm. So so what's the space that you operate in? The space I operate in is, um, as I said, um, intervening with um, preferably um, recent leaders who are still struggling with addressing how they are going to lead. Um, There are all sorts of Profiles for leaders. I mean, you can, there's a sort of Genghis Khan type leader. (laughs) And then there are other leaders um, who are a lot less stand up, follow me, I have a vision, come along after me. Um, And 
on a lot of the seminars that we we invite these people to, we we start off with the basic question: Why should anybody be led by you? Think about it and tell us why should somebody be led by you? And a lot of them centre around well the knowledge I have and the expertise I have, which isn't necessarily the correct answer because they are no longer responsible for doing things. They're responsible, as Simon Sinek would say, they're responsible for people who do things, and that's a completely different set of skills. So would you call them leaders or mentors? No, I would would call them leaders. Um, Mentor for me is somebody who um, actively shares their experience, is typically senior to the mentee, the person they are mentoring, and and, um, the benefit they can bring is um, the benefit of experience and the benefit of a network. Um, an established network so the kind of conversation is okay I see you're having difficulty with this in my experience this is what worked before and why don't you have a talk with X, Y and Z three people who can really help you along that path that's mentoring that's a very good distinguished between leaders but I want to ask because I'm a big fan of stories of examples can you portray or put some you know tell our listeners a couple of examples or you know recent coaching experiences that you had we were challenging mm. and how did you know people respond to your coaching yeah i've, I've just wound up um a number of groups that because of covid <clears throat> were extraordinarily long so that these are um that they're tr- It's a seminar that they are invited to, but in fact it's what we call a blended program. So um, there's a a kind of input period where we prepare for a face-to-face, albeit um, remotely run seminar of a week. The whole thing is talking about leadership and leadership skills. And then for quite a long period after that, I engage with those people. Um, to find out exactly what they think they need to focus on to improve their leadership. So there's there's no imposed objectives like there is in a normal teaching um, class, for example. Um, and then to um, help them <clears throat> achieve those objectives. That help can take the form of sending them resources which are short, sweet, succinct, designed to trigger ideas quickly, ideas that they can try out. And then very importantly, to come together with six or seven other people, um, perhaps in very different businesses, in very different geographies, but nevertheless leaders in similar situations where they have a lot in common, and to share what they have learnt from trying these ideas out, how they failed, especially because failure is always very good for learning, Mm. um, and then receiving support from those people. And um, I, I describe it as... Um, writing the new leadership manual together because I believe um, if you have a look on my LinkedIn site that already um, the business situation was changing fast um, five to ten years ago even people were describing things going faster and faster markets moving faster and faster um, digital um, changing the world changing um, business models and so on the um, the perception was that it was harder and harder to lead people in those situations and then suddenly we had COVID which as I say was a brutal reset of the leadership position what do we do now? I can no longer even see my teams in a lot of cases I have to relate with them 
um, virtually. Um, people are hiring young recruits without actually meeting them face to face. They're solving disputes. They're solving emotional upsets. All this on by remote. And for me, it creates a situation where we have no textbooks for that. We, we just have to try, trial and error, and above all, share and learn together. And, and that's, that's the kind of coaching and facilitation that, that I enjoy the most. So let's take, let's take the real estate. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> from the real estate, uh, for the outsider, for the customer, mm-hmm. it is they, they interact with one person yes. or maybe a partner of that person. Yes. Uh, because they may act in... Uh, like associates, associates or partnerships. Yeah. But I believe there is a huge structure behind that front person. Mm-hmm. Somebody guides them, etc. Yep. Um, and I am not a privy to what's the level of uh, freedom the person in the front is allowed. Mm. Okay. Uh, what is the guidance that you would provide these people? Because A, once they are out on the field, it's like you are a soldier on the battlefield. Yes. You are deciding whether should I fire now or should I look left or should I look right. Mm. For the salesman on the ground, or he or she has to make a call, but she's given a manual and said, hey, these are the steps you go through. Mm-hmm. So as a coach, how do you lead, how do you advise these type of people? I think it's a brilliant question, Richard, because um, I, I knew I was coming to this, so I was thinking about real estate be, be before I came. And it strikes me that real estate, I mean, real estate is an enormous industry, not only in New Zealand. I mean, worldwide, I don't know if anybody's even tried to calculate the value of the real estate. Billions and billions Billions and billions and billions, yes. And it's sitting there, and the business model hasn't changed radically for years. And it seems to me that it could be prey to intermediation very, very quickly. Now, what I mean by intermediation very briefly is if, if you think of Uber and the taxi service before, if you think of hotels and now Booking.com and TripAdvisor and that kind of thing. So intermediation is a new business model, usually internet or data-based. Similar which, like the stock which, market. Which disrupts the, the, the existing business model um, radically. And it strikes me that... Um, real estate could be prey to something like that. So when you're in that situation, you need to really focus on, uh, in my view, humble view, you need to focus on um, what it is that will prevent an attack by some web-based service, will prevent them from driving a wedge between you and your customer. And so then it becomes quite clear that... um, you have to elaborate trust, you have to show empathy, you have to really um, concentrate on the relationship with your customers. Um, And that immediately brings to mind training programs and so on that you could do. Um, But again, trust is not only um, a value which is sought after just by the real estate industry, big corporates today constantly talk about trust in their organizations because they want their organization to be more agile, flatter, um, responding more quickly to clients. So that necessarily you must have trust. And so there's been quite a lot of study of trust. Um, and we, we can talk about that if, if, if that's topical. But um, So would you say that uh, the frontline staff would be the empowered staff? And they would they have be, to be, yes. Uh, and, and there would be a sort of 
elimination of that middle management? I, I'm, I'm not sure if you need an elimination of middle management. You certainly, you, you certainly need to um, make a distinction between the, regulate, the processes which are necessary for real estate to be legal and um, according to the regulations that govern real estate, but then you need to empower the person on the ground enough to be able to form those deeply trusting relationships with buyers and sellers. So do you have any program at the moment which you can uh, you know, provide to... Uh, Shelpie and uh, <laughs> yes. a lot of my real estate tribe. friends who are looking for such programs for, 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 for a tribe that she leads. Yes, it, it's it's. I mean, it's not rocket science. It, for for trust to be established, you need to know yourself very well first. So there's you need to um, develop your own self awareness. And as you know, there are two levels, two parts to self awareness. There's the way you know yourself. Um, what you know about yourself and there's also the impact you have on other people and other categories of people so that's important to work on that then you already mentioned emotional intelligence um, it's it also about personalities when you work with different personalities mm-hmm. how you portray yourself in front as you said mm-hmm. to those sort of personality maybe a vendor yes a buyer. yes so that's the learning curve which every real estate agent needs to hmm. possibly, uh, you know, make themselves aware of yes. and, when and they go out in that battlefield. And knowing in advance the type of effect they will have on those people and also learning to read the signs immediately to see, um, I've just rather shocked that person. Um, I need to tone it down a little bit. Or that person seems a little bit reticent. I need to show a little bit more vulnerability, perhaps, to, to, to bring them further in. Um, yeah, it's, it's in, intensely interesting skills to develop. Um, but I, I think that's the only way you can stop some kind of... Um, internet-based model from driving that wedge between you and your customers. You need, you need to knit and connect a lot more closely with, the, with those customers. So, so I, I do understand that the web-based business, which I've been constantly thinking, why mm. can't real estate be put up on That's web-based? Exactly. In a country like New Zealand, where land laws are so very transparent and transfers are so very easy why can't it happen but that's for another day mm. uh, i have two points to pick up from the earlier conversation and one is what uh, shall be talked about is the emotional quotient or the emotional balance mm. but you also touched upon very early in your comments about um, uh, unlearning the expertise to become a leader yes okay uh, I, I'll just I'll just leave that thought with you to react to it. Is what do you mean by unlearning your expertise? I'm promoted now because I was an expert in that area, and now you're suddenly saying, "Hey, to lead, you need to unlearn it." Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like asking the cook or the chef that now you need to sit back and prepare the menu and not get into the kitchen. So I leave the thought with you. Let's listen to some music. Mojan matri so sung zaina Munis munshal Wal kona 
ुनिटी So you had a question around uh, emotions and yeah. just before that uh, Richard I uh, Shilpi uh, you're the sponsor of this program and would you like to tell our listeners what are your uh, presently available in the market in uh, in your listings or in the other properties you are interested in or you're promoting Yes, yes Hector um I'll start with the with a little bit of background what's happening in the market in terms of what I have been doing in la- what I did basically in last couple of weeks I would say the market is still very buoyant right yes people ask me oh there is a slight shift um in terms of and uh, in terms of the price that people are paying uh for properties yes that is true that there is a shift but not a major shift that we are seeing with the interest rate still being very low we are seeing a lot of motivated buyers coming into the auctions and paying a pre- paying a premium price um to secure a property um two weeks ago i sold a property in mount rotskill five bedroom for 1.89 wow 
million um, and it was just a crazy auction. So people, I tell my buyers, I tell my vendors, like good properties are always going to sell at a good price. So I sold, I've, I've been in almost for four months in this industry now and I've sold almost 11 properties mm. um, in four months and um, we've got one auction coming up this Tuesday. We listed a property in Penny Avenue in Mount Roskill, really beautiful um, three-bedroom house and we had like 35 groups come in in two weekends of open home, which was just fantastic. So that's one. Um, we've got another one coming up in White Swan Road in Mount Roskill. That's again a three-bedroom, beautiful brickhead tile house. We've got one, a premium property that's coming up in Grafton. It's a nine-bedroom and ten car parks property, um, which is going to be a really, really good auction for us. So these are some of the – the market is still very, very steady, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what has happened, or, you know, if you see the track records, what's happening in the market, that's what the market has been doing in New Zealand. So it goes up and it becomes steady for a while and then it goes up again. So it's that curve that we are on, which is... The trend. Yeah, the trend. Yeah. Okay, big. Okay, thank for, uh, thanks for that. And so listeners... If you're interested in any of these properties, do get in touch with uh, Shilpi Thakur from Barfoot and Thompson. You can contact me on 022-0800-319. That's my contact number. And you can go to my website, shilpi.co.nz, to see what I have listed, what I have been doing. And um, any questions, just get in contact with me. Wonderful. Awesome. Wonderful. Yeah, Hector, Hector, I'll have to shake the tree in my backyard for those <laughs> <laughs> I like mangoes. Uh, okay, coming back to my question before we broke off uh, for that uh, wee yes, bit Richard. of a song, Iso Somas. Um, we were talking about, you know, your comment about uh, the leader uh, who has now gone from being an expert to being to manage a team or to look after a team. And he or she has to unlearn that expertise or unlearn the way they did things. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's <clears throat> I'd, I'd characterize it more of um, of letting go of that expertise um, because typically what happens, we talk about taking the monkey and um, a leader takes the monkey when they're sitting in their office and a team member comes in and says, boss, I've got a real issue with such and such. And he says, don't care, don't worry, I'll take care of that. That's one monkey sitting on his shoulder. And somebody else comes in and says, I've just spoken to the customer. She's an absolute, she, she's just so hard. I, I, I cannot relate to this. Don't worry, I'll give, I'll give her boss a call. That's the second monkey. And typically, um, these young leaders, when I first get in touch with them, look haggard, overworked, Hectic, can't make the meetings because they're just so busy and everything is so important. So please, can you give me a quick course on time management and prioritization? Yes, I can, but it will involve things like delegation. Oh, yeah, but nobody does things well enough for me. <laughs> so, <clears throat> If you want to do something well, do it yourself. <laughs> exactly, yes, that's right. So already one message is you, you have to define... A difference between the way you would do it and what's good enough mm. um, and if it's then then aim at good enough with the other person but 
the um, I, I started to answer your question and didn't finish. When we finished the program that I'd launched with these people um, back in March and April of last year, they were overwhelmed, rushed, um, wanting to learn how to prioritise because they had too many things to do. And not all of them, but some of them had managed to let go. And when we closed, they were sitting there, <laughs> relaxed, smiling. And I remember one in particular sitting in Switzerland. I said, Matthias, you look, you look great. You look as if you're really relaxed. He said, I am. I've let go of all that stuff and I've got people now who are even delegating to other people for me and now I can really focus on and, and his thing was he wanted to develop his team he wanted his team to grow and he was already looking for somebody who could perhaps replace him when he moved on that's what a leader is doing so what about the emotional side of it how do you manage that part of it because uh, you know let go off is not so easy it's not you, and you need to know yourself yeah so the emotional part starts with good understanding of yourself Wh why is it so hard to let go of this thing that you do so perfectly mm -hmm. is that because is that because it defines you yeah and if it is what else can define you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think tim you know uh, what a leader needs to ask himself perhaps is why am I in this position? Sure. And if you reflect on that, am I really in this position? Has a company or life put me in this position to do it or to let others do it? Yes. And if you can start with the why, as Simon Sinek says, yes. perhaps you'll come to the answer. Yeah. And that will take care of the emotional content of it. But you know what it's like when somebody comes along and says, I think you're doing really well here. How would you like to head up a team? You think, oh, thank you very much. How flattering. Salary increase? Thank you. Yes, of course. I can do that. <laughs> and then suddenly you're trapped. So what about, what about the insecurity? Yes. So when you let go... It's a game of thrones, isn't it? When you let go, <laughs> I mean, it's like taking, uh, taking a jump off the helicopter, doing mm. that deep dive. Mm. Uh, and for about 10 seconds or 15 seconds, the parachute actually doesn't open. Yep. So that's the moment. How do you manage that moment? What's your, uh, what's your advice on that? It's, um, it's when you let go of what defines you, that is being uh, perfect at, I don't know, um, and, um, as an engineer or um, product, and, uh, product designer or something. When you let go of that and start to manage a team of product designers, <clears throat> um, you have to be at one with yourself and sure that this step off the plane... Um, may be assisted, but that you will make it to the ground safe and new with new skills and a new interest. Um, if you are a leader and want to pursue leadership, then you have to let go of that um, product or whatever it was, the expertise that you had before, either you're a research scientist or an engineer or, or whatever, sales, um, and transition towards a different kind of professional career. So coming to you, Shelby, uh, we yes. talked about uh, this aspect of uh, emotional balance, insecurity and letting go. Uh, so as, as, uh, as an associate, so at times you worked as an associate, at times you worked as a foot soldier and you may lead, be leading a team, 
where are you in this chain and what sort of approach that you take in terms of leadership from a very personal perspective um i i call myself as a mentor to be honest i would love to be called as a leader but it's for me mentorship makes more sense because as tim said it's about yes it's about letting go it's giving others the chance or empowering others to see what they can bring on the table how you can make the team work better every as i say 10 brains are better than one brain right and 10 brains have 10 different ideas so if one idea you might not know of an idea which other might you know might be a brilliant idea and you would definitely would encourage those people to try it test it and see what is working what is not working tweak it being agile as tim said as much as you can and then see if it it's a success if it's not it will be a success down the line so from a very as i said from a personal perspective i yes i i would like a team to you know work together and if i can be of any help in terms of from my experience from a point of view what i can bring on a table and if that helps others i would say that's a success so that's how i define success and that's how i define a mentorship mm-hmm. for my mentees wonderful uh, we 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 are just running short of time but i have a very uh, quick question for you tim uh, if you look at the landscape the business landscape in new zealand it is mostly medium and small enterprises okay family mom pop run shops okay uh, some of them have not been able to scale to the level mm-hmm. uh, some of them have failed miserably on the international mm-hmm. uh, Uh, platform how would you use this program of yours to help them uh, or if there is a way out for them yeah uh, to lead and to scale their business plus their profile or is it that kiwis are saying like many go and say sushegad i'm happy with what i've got yes yeah, so, or um i can do we can do that yes we we can do that i i think um very quickly in small business the distinction i made between an expert and a leader is important because a lot of small business sets up as an expert service or a plumber sets up as an ex- as an expert plumber because he's done an apprenticeship taking his certificate and he thinks that he can lead a plumbing company um just by being a good plumber which which isn't the case um and then the other thing which i see clearly in 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 new zealand is that there is opportunity for businesses to grow but if it grows beyond the capacity of the single founder then he is he or she is going to have to employ people um and i only have a small representative sample but what i have seen in new zealand is that the uh, the attitude towards employing people is that i need to find the person to do the job i have available um and they will do that job for as long as i need whereas there should be a lot more of the approach to i need somebody who can start with this job uh but then they will um develop and will do a different job later on and perhaps train the next person in to do their job and that's by planning growth in your personnel then you unleash the possibility of growing in your business uh, a, a lot of the times i see the business is limited by the capacities of a single person and they don't know how to 
pass on the capacity to other people for that business to is grow. Is it because they have not learned that art of letting go? Or is it because I will lose control? Or is it something which is... I think it's their simple definition that I'm, I'm a certified plumber, so of course I could run a plumbing business. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. so, uh, oh sorry. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I was just saying that because of time constraints, uh, what's your marketing pitch? Though? This is the time for you to tell where they can reach you, <laughs> or what they can ask you, and what are the programs that you run? Where is your website? Yeah, and what's your contact details? I'd, I'd be delighted to talk to anybody on, a, on just an exploratory basis to begin with to see if there is a fit between us, which is always very important too, because um, as we've talked about personalities and we've talked about emotional intelligence and so on, and there's no point in me trying to ter- talk to somebody if we can't connect. So that, that's the first thing. I would be delighted to meet anybody who would like to connect, first of all. Um, you can contact me by phone. Um, my um, New Zealand phone number is uh, 021... <laughs> that help. was that was deliberate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tim's number is oh two one eight seven seven two five one. Let me tell you, you're not the first one. <laughs> no, no, no. Total blank eight double seven two five one. That's you, good. You let go of it so that I can't help. Thank you. Yes, I did. Yes, deliberate. That was manipulation on my part. <laughs> yes. um, and if you want to email me, which is a li- perhaps a little bit more confidential or whatever, um, you can email me on Tim Chapman. So T. I-M-C-H-A-P-M-A-N and then N-Z so there's two N's there Tim Chapman N-Z all in one word at gmail.com and if you want to learn more about um, the way I see things I have a LinkedIn page if you put in LinkedIn Tim Chapman um, leader coach then you'll find me what about you Shelby? How would you uh, like our customers to catch hold? You, you, did, you did give your telephone numbers. Yes. But once again, if you'd like to repeat it and tell them. Yes, yes, definitely. So if, if somebody is looking uh, for, for a local expert and need expert advice, uh, consult, cons- consultant as a property consultant, um, they can contact me on my phone, which is double. And uh, my email address, which is s.takur, um, that is T H A K U R at barfoot.co.nz. And my uh, website um, is um, shilpi.co.nz, where you'll find a little bit more about my history, my present, and my future plans. So, yeah, more than welcome to uh, contact me um, on any of these platforms. Will we find Susika Dunpar on your website? Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank you, Tim. Uh, Thank you, Shilpi. My pleasure. And thank you, Hector. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you you all, uh, Tim and Shilpi and Richard and thank you to our listeners for tuning in and see you next week at the same time on Susega Danpar.